0: God, that it's time to get into the Word of the Lord. Is that all right with you? Yes. Amen. Here's what I want you to do kind of as you're, as you're kind of making your way back to your seats. I want you to find two or three people and, and uh, whatever way is comfortable for you. But I want you to let them know how much you love them in Jesus' name. Let them know how much you love them in Jesus' name. Thank you for the worship team for getting here early to practice today. But, uh, but Thank you more so for allowing the Holy Ghost to lead and being willing to be led of the Holy Ghost. I'm very glad to be in the presence of the Lord today. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful presence of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. I I had you do that for purpose and because um, I, I feel to speak today. <clears throat> now let's just... Just keep in mind, last Sunday, I preached 22 minutes. Just remember that today, okay? I'm just saying, just remember last week, I preached 22 minutes. So today, I feel to speak on love God, love others. Love God, love others. How many know we need to love God? How many know we need to love others? Amen. I'm just going to trust today that I've heard from the Lord. I don't always understand his ways and why he wants me to say the things that he wants me to say in the particular times that he wants me to say them. and uh, But we're just going to trust that we're being sensitive to the Holy Ghost and that God knows better than I, amen, what he wants to accomplish in this room today. I believe, I believe, I believe that God is going to do something wonderful in the house today. If you believe that, shout amen. 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 Put your hands together one more time and give the Lord praise. bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go quickly today. We'll see how much we get into and what God would desire to do. The Bible would record the story like this. John chapter 12 and verse 1. If you have your Bibles, if not, you can turn your attention to the screen. The Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served that supper. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of ointment. Verse 4, then saith one of his Disciples Now, we'll pause there Because for what I feel to discuss today It's not necessarily important That we know what that disciple went on to say Even though we will address it here in a little bit It's not necessarily what he said That is the impetus for the message today What's more important is that we know That the disciples were present in the house Jesus was there and now we know that one of the disciples starts talking so we know now that the disciples were in the house. And it's not just one disciple that was in the house but the implication is is that all of the disciples, all 12 of them were in the house. Now stay with me a a little bit here. Because as I was reading this, I felt like the Lord just kind of spoke something into my spirit very simply and yet uh, uh, a very important understanding and revelation that we need to get and to grasp and to gather together. For here we see that Lazarus and Mary and Martha were hosting Jesus in their house. But the reality is this, if you welcome Jesus into your house then you also have to welcome his 12 disciples into your house. For they could not welcome Jesus without also being willing to welcome his followers. You cannot welcome deity incarnate without also being willing to welcome the disciples. And I want you to think about this with me for a moment because It was not difficult to welcome Jesus. It was not difficult to serve Jesus. For this is the one whom they knew to be God manifest in the flesh. He was the one whom Mary saw fit to break the box of costly ointment to pour upon his feet and to wipe his feet with her hair. It was not hard for Lazarus to welcome Jesus into their home because just a short time prior to this, this same Lazarus had been in a four-day tomb. And Jesus steps up and calls, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets up out of a four-day-old grave, alive and well. Hear me now, welcoming the miracle worker is not a difficult task to accomplish. Lovingly hosting the one in whom you deem worthy of offering the use of your hair to wipe his feet is not burdensome in the least. And yet, welcoming, hosting, serving, and more importantly, loving the 12 disciples that were following after Jesus might have been a different story altogether. I'm sure Mary, Martha, Lazarus waited anxiously for every captivating word that would leave the lips of our Lord. But I can almost guarantee you at some point in the day Old Peter spoke before he thought and brought a little friction into the room. Come on, somebody. I mean, no, Peter was always acting before he thought about it. I'm sure they esteemed and respected Jesus reverently in their home for his every action was divinely appointed with heavenly purpose and yet The story we cut short in our text was Judas about to speak against Mary, anointing the feet of Jesus with her costly perfume. And he only did so because he was a thief. And he was thinking about the amount of money that he would now be unable to steal. They weren't all thieves, but there was one amongst those who would be followers of Christ, who didn't have it all together. Jesus, the perfect one. Jesus, the complete one, surrounded by those who were imperfect and undone and striving to become more and more every day like the one that they were following. So it was that after Christ accomplished the sacrifice for sin, you have to know he needed no one else to accomplish the sacrifice for sin. Because my Bible says that he and he alone was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. The disciples had nothing to do with that. But for Christ, To accomplish his ultimate purpose of the cross. Which was the salvation for all mankind. That it was necessary for the twelve to be with him. Stay with me now. The twelve were not with him for pleasure. The twelve were not with him for prestige. The twelve were with him for purpose. Their purpose was well spoken by Christ when he said these words in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were to be the ones who would bring this gospel, this good news to mankind. And Christ needed them to do that. Jesus needed somebody to preach on the day of Pentecost because he wasn't going to be the one to preach on the day of Pentecost. Jesus needed somebody to take this message to the Gentiles because Christ was about to be transfigured out of here. Jesus needed somebody to help lead this new phenomenon called the ecclesia or what we would call the church. He needed somebody to be, allow themselves to be moved on by the Holy Ghost in order that they might write some epistles in order to bring some clarity and revelation and understanding to the local body of believers that were about to spring up around the region. Therefore, we see now why it was the will of God for his 12 disciples to be with him. For his divine will could only be accomplished because mankind were working with him. Somebody said amen. Therefore, the expectation was this. If you received him, then you receive those that followed him as well. Ooh, hallelujah. If you love him, you're gonna have to love those that follow him as well. So I bring to your attention today and for your consideration as We look around this room this morning. There needs to be an understanding that we are not to just love him, but we are to love those that are following after him with us as well.
1: Hallelujah.
0: If we've loved him, if we've received him, then we are to also love and to receive the followers who don't always say the right things can we just talk, can the holy ghost just talk to us now if we have embraced him then we are to also embrace the followers that don't always do the right In spite of our imperfections. In spite of our shortcomings. In spite of our weaknesses. In spite of our bad days. Our instructions are simple. Romans 12 and 9. Let love be without dissimulation. I didn't know what that word meant, (laughs) so I had to look it up. And it means don't be hypocritical with your love, either for God or for man. Don't pretend like you love your brother in Christ when you don't really love them at all. Don't just look outwardly like you love the church. When you don't really love the church like you're putting on, that you love the church. Let love be without dissimulation. Verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another in spite of not always saying the right things, in spite of not always doing the right things, in spite of the fact that I have imperfections and you have imperfections and we have some bad days and we miss the mark from time to time, we are, according to the word of the Lord, still to love one another, honor one another, prefer one another, esteem one another. Oh, hallelujah. And we don't get to pick and choose the candidates for which our obedience to this verse will be carried out. Ooh, come on, Jesus. For the Bible says in Philippians chapter two and verse two, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, Being of one accord, being of one mind. Ready, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, uh, let us each esteem other. And that word other means one another. Not just some, but one another. Not just most, uh, but all others. Uh, Not just the people you're friends with, uh, but one another. Not just the ones you click with better, but all others. Let us esteem all others better than themselves. Love one another. Esteem one another. Embrace one another. So it is that the Lord would want us to know that in order to love him, it is mandatory that we love them that follow him as well. Put your hands together. Give the Lord praise in the house.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm.
0: Now the book would say it like this in First John chapter four and verse twenty-one. And this commandment have we from Him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. End of story end of discussion. The Lord has spoken. He who loveth God loveth his brother also. And I want you to notice it's not a suggestion. And this commandment come on now. And that command is that in order to truly love God we must truly love our brothers and sisters as well. Oh, hallelujah. To love him is to love them that follow him. To truly love the one who died for the church is to truly love those in the church that he died for. So when we look around the room today, do we see people that we are mere acquaintances with or do we see people that we truly love? When we look around the room, do we see people who we just attend church with on Sundays? Or do we see people that we sincerely love as being in the body of Christ? I know this may be a little different fare for a Sunday, but how many just will trust that God is trying to speak to us as a church? The Lord is so passionate about you and I grasping this principle that he would talk about it in very plain and graphic and intense terms because he wants to make sure that we understand what he's trying to tell us as a church. The book would say it like this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Now how many would agree with that? If you don't live righteously, how many know you're not of God? Comma. (laughs) Neither he that loveth not his brother. So we see that the book is informing us that if we are living unrighteously, doing that which is sinful and wicked and wrong, that we're not going to be in God, in Christ for you cannot be in Christ and live unrighteously. But then it tells us that if we are going to be in God or in Christ, it is impossible to be in Christ if we do not love our brother. So this whole, this whole mentality of, well, I don't have to love them to be saved. The book is putting our lack of love towards others in the body of Christ on the same level as it puts sin. Come on now, we're not running the aisles today, but God's talking. And it's telling us that it is absolutely impossible for us to be in Christ and not love our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So I think this is a pretty important topic that we look at. Am I right about it? If he would put it on those terms, I think it's pretty important that we understand what the book is trying to tell us. But go on to say in John 13 and 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So here we see that the Lord calls this a new commandment. You see that? A new commandment. And yet what I couldn't quite grasp is that even a cursory read of the Old Testament tells us that this was a command that had been spoken hundreds and thousands of years before. This command to love one another. All the way back in the book of Leviticus, we read this in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the question that I have is, what was he saying here that would be considered a new commandment? I believe the answer to that question lies in the fact. Everybody good today? Lies in the fact that in the Old Testament, how his people lived, farmed, dressed, acted, and talked is what let everybody else know that they were the followers of Jehovah. But now, the Lord is elevating our love one for another to a much higher level and to a much loftier dimension. For now, it would be our love one for another that would be the primary example that would show all men that we are his disciples and we are his church. Not that those other things in regards to our actions and our dress and our speech and our lifestyle should change because we are still to be obedient to the Lord in all of those areas as well. But this new commandment is God elevating his expectation of our love one to another to a level that he has never asked humanity to strive for before in the history of mankind. Because the truth is this we can look outwardly like his disciples and we can sound and talk like his disciples and we can live like his disciples but still not love. And if we don't love others, then it doesn't really matter how you dress. If we don't love others, it doesn't matter how you talk. If we don't love others, it doesn't matter how you act. It don't matter how you worship. Jump all you want. Talk in tongues all you want. Run the aisles all you want. But if we don't love others, none of those things matter at all. Let me prove it to you because all of our actions, specifically in regards to separation from the world, dress, action, talk, lives, all the stuff I just mentioned, are to be done, and I need your minds, all of those things are to be done not because we're forced to do them, not because we're mandated to do them, but they are to be done out of our love towards a holy God. But I want you to notice the book, 1 John 4, 21. And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. So if we don't love our brother, then we don't really love God. And if we don't really love God, then dressing right and talking right Doesn't mean anything in the sight of him. Doesn't mean anything. Well, I'm dressing right and I'm holy and I don't do this and I've refrained from that and I don't go to those places and I don't hang around people that do. Yeah, but you got bitterness against that one. And you got jealousy against that one. And you got anger against that one and you got resentment against that one. All of which is a sure sign that you don't have love towards those individuals. And so it doesn't really matter what you look like outwardly. God is not accepting any of those things because you're supposed to be doing those things out of love for him. But he said if you don't love the people beside you, then there's no way you can love the one Come on, Jesus, talk to us now. 22 minutes last Sunday. See, this is the problem that Jesus had with the Pharisees. Luke chapter 11 and verse 39. And the Lord said unto them, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter? But your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? Here we see that the Pharisees were going to great lengths to cleanse the body or that which was outward under the pretense of loving God and serving God. So the Lord speaks to them and he asks them and he says, do you realize that the same God who made that which is outwardly is also the same God who made that which is inwardly? In other words, You, If you were truly wanting to please God, if you're truly wanting to show your love towards God, then why don't you place just as much importance on that which is inward as you do that which is outward? Uh, So I hear the Holy Ghost talking to us today. I know you can look correctly outwardly as it applies to biblical distinctives, but can you love inwardly all others in the church like I've asked you to love them? I know your dress is right. I know your hair is right. I know your suit's right. I know your talking's right. I know your speech is right. I know you don't do this, that, and the other. All of those things are outward, but I want to know inwardly what kind of stuff do you got towards brother so and so and sister so and so because don't you realize that the same God who created the outward is the same God that created the inward and if you're really wanting to show that you love me it's not just because of what you look like outwardly it's about how much love do you have one for another Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. The book goes on to say this. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. We know. Somebody say we know. We don't have to question. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. We know that we have passed from death into life. Why? Because we love the brethren. Because he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. But if you love your brother, you've passed from death to life. You see, this is a very powerful statement that we really need to grasp and understand because he's telling us that our continued, we understand we move from death to life at repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But the the fulfillment and the continuation of moving from death, continually dying and moving, we are to bear about in our bodies the dying of Christ. The, the, the continual dying process of moving from death to life is not always just going to show up in us talking in tongues. But he said, you're going to know that this continual process is transpiring and is taking place because you love one another. And please don't confuse love with kindness. Because you can be kind to people that you do not love. Jesus, help us right now. You can be kind to people that you do not love. The book is telling us that true love, one for another, will be a continued evidence among and along our spiritual journey that we are in right relationship with Jesus. So if you want to know, and if I want to know, is my Christian journey moving forward as Christ would want it to move forward? If you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is moving in the direction that God is wanting you to go, then just get open and honest about where your level of love is towards all others in the body of Christ. Because if our love is growing, then we are growing. And if our love is increasing, then our spiritual walk with God is increasing. If our love is progressing, then we are progressing in the journey towards him. But if our love is weakening, then we're going backwards. And if our love is faulty and failing, then we are going the opposite way. Somebody said amen. Spiritual advancement and the confirmation of spiritual advancement is not in speaking in tongues necessarily, singing the songs, clapping of the hands or doing ministry. That does not always show and prove that we are progressing in the things of God. Well, I'm a part of this and I'm a part of that and I'm in, I'm in this ministry and that ministry and I'm a praise and I'm an usher and I'm a greeter. That doesn't always show that we are progressing in the things of God because how many know we can do all of those things and have not love? If you don't believe it, let's ask, oh, Brother Paul, Church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, charity is another word for love, I will interchange it moving forward. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am becoming as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profiteth me nothing. Paul was wanting the church to know that worship and ministry and sacrifice and compassion means nothing in and of themselves. For the overarching proof of our obedience to God and of our advancement in our spiritual walk in the Lord is our increase of love one to another. So we've got to get open today and we've got to get honest today and we've got to get transparent today. If we're doing ministry but we do not love, then let's find a place to pray and get that right. If we're doing ministry but we have bitterness and anger and resentment, there's people we don't talk to. There's people we just don't like. There's people that we avoid. There's people that we just do not. We just don't like them. we got to get right with God. If our worship and our dress and our actions and our speech are all outwardly holy and right, but we know we've got jealousies and bitterness and hatred against those in the church, then we've got to make it right before the Lord. We've got to get those things cleaned out of our heart because without love, without love, all we will ever be able to achieve is that which is illustrated by Paul as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. That's all that it will ever accomplish. Our singing, our playing, our ushering, our greeting, our hospitality, our ministries, all of that is nothing but a tinkling cymbal. We have not love. Lift your hands, would you?
1: Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus.
0: Somebody said, Amen. I realize. You're listening very well today, grasping the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord will continue by saying this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15. Get it now. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know not, or you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, right off the bat, every one of us have said, uh, well, this verse isn't talking about me I'm not a murderer. I'm not a murderer. But before we go exempting ourselves from this passage of Scripture, because we don't think that it applies to us, we need to understand, very carefully listen, we need to understand that the word hateth simply means to love not. This is showing us a very powerful principle that we have to get and we have to understand. And that is this. There is no median between love and hate. There is no middle ground between love and hate. Well, I don't love them, but I don't hate them either. I'm somewhere right in here. There is no right in there. We either love them or we hate them. hallelujah. We either love the... Now, it's just going to get quiet now. More quiet. (laughs) We either love the entire body of Christ with a sincere, heartfelt love or we hate the body. Now, I want this to sink in because this is important stuff. There is no... Point in between Where those two things Can reside In the same person We either love Everybody Or we hate Everybody Now some of you Some of you don't believe me Let me prove it to you Give me your minds and I'll prove it to you How many know that there is a Natural reaction within all of us for our, in our natural bodies to protect all of our members there's a natural reaction because we love our bodies we protect our bodies there's a natural reaction in all of us to protect all members of our body but how many know we could not really say that we honor and respect our bodies if we protect and love all members of our bodies Except our right hand. I'll protect my feet. I'll protect my eyes. I'll protect my head. I'll protect my left hand. I'll protect my kneecaps. I'll protect it all. We take great care, great concern with all other parts of our bodies. But then we refuse to remove our right hand from the hot stove. And we simply allow it to burn. Then could it be said that we love our bodies? But it's just one member. 99% of the rest of the body you love and protect. But if you allow one member of the body to not be protected and loved and cared for Then you could never say that you love your body. Anybody would tell you, you don't love your body, you hate your body. You allowed it to be burned, but it was just one member. Doesn't matter, it is a part of the body. Come on, Jesus. So to disregard and to allow damage to occur even to one part of the body of Christ, one, just one, just one, I just don't like them. I like everybody else. I just don't like them. Then the Bible is telling us that is the same as saying I hate all of them. that one is not by themselves. That one is a part of the body. And there's no in between. And I cannot love 99% of you and hate one of you and still say I love most of you. God is saying if that is the case and if that's the reality in your life then you hate
1: all of them. Jesus help
0: Speak to us right now, Jesus. Unless we love all, then we hate all. Unless we love all, then we hate all. So God is asking us the question do we truly love the body of Christ? Like we are
1: supposed to love the body of Christ. Somebody said amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Try to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Our Lord Tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I feel so strong. Brother Rhoda's preached on Thursday. Did a wonderful, wonderful job. If you were not here, listen to it. Get on our website and listen to it. But about more and going after the things of God and prayer and fasting and increase and believing for the greater things of God. How many know there's there's much more that we're supposed to be experiencing? let me tell you, I feel in the Holy Ghost, come on Jesus, I feel in the Holy Ghost that we are the, at the precipice of the greatest revival our church has ever seen. I believe that. I believe the Lord has positioned us in a place. I believe the Lord has He's put specific people in, in, in gaps that we were missing. And, and, and these individuals are, along with everything else that everybody else is doing, that we're going to be able to move forward into a revival like we've never seen before. But in order for that to happen, it's not going to be because of our talent. It's not going to happen because of our ability. It's not going to happen because of our building. It's not going to happen because of any of that. The thing that the world is going to look at in order to know those people are of God. And I want What they have. It's not necessarily going to be because of what you look like outwardly that's going to draw the world to us. It's not going to be because of what we don't say or do say, don't go and do go. It's not going to be because of those things necessarily. It's going to be something else entirely that draws the world and confirms to the world that those people are a people of the name and those are people of God and those are people are different than everybody else. You know what it is? It's exactly what I've been preaching about today. The world is going to know that you are my disciples Not because of your tongue talking and not because of your running aisles and not because of your clapping and not because of all of this stuff. But the world is going to know that you're my disciple and therefore be drawn to you because they see in you love one for another. We've got to get this now. We've got to understand how important this is. We've got to understand how important this reality is in the Holy Ghost. We've got to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love my brother in the Lord. And it's not something we can play around with and it's not something we can just sweep under the rug and it's not something we can just say, well, we're just going to agree to disagree and agree to uh, not get along and we're just going to agree to give each other space and we're just going to agree to not talk to one another because I don't like them and they don't like me so we're just going to separate and still talk in tongues and still dance and still sing and come to church. No, 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 no. That is not the will of God and that is going to hurt. That is going to hurt the church as a whole moving forward. Jesus help us right now. We have got to understand the implications biblically of just how important it is that we love all others. Stand to your feet. Jesus' name, Jesus'
1: name, ha-ha.
0: There was a depth to this church. There was a spiritual depth to this church, which I appreciate. We didn't get here easily. It took much sacrifice and much prayer and much submission and much obedience. And we've got a long way to go. We want to get deeper in the things of God. But the reality is this. I truly believe, I truly believe that if individuals in this church who know the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now, if we would be obedient to the moving of the Holy Ghost and to the word of the Lord and get to a place where we can allow some things to be let go, And allow some healing to happen. And allow the love of Jesus Christ to once again flow from us to them. I want to tell you, the depth of his spirit that we feel now would pale in comparison to what we will feel. It's very important if you don't get anything else, take this home. If we hate one, we hate all. And again, hate just means we do not love. Lift your hands. There's a somber presence of the Lord upon us now. There's a heavy presence of the Lord upon his people. Just stay where you are. Lift your hands. Open your mouth and just begin to respond to the presence of the Lord. Jesus. Jesus. God, I don't want to be a Sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Uh, meaningless and without purpose. Without substance, without reality.
1: Satayi uh, yo
0: Come on, that's it. Keep praying, keep praying. Everybody, keep praying.
1: Lift your voice and pray. Lift your voice, lift your voice all across this auditorium. Holy Ghost power.
0: Holy Ghost power. God, you're setting us up today. You're setting us up for something. I feel it. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God, you're setting us up. You see the end from the beginning. You know what's going to happen next week and next month. So you're talking to us today about something so that we would be positioned properly to walk in the next dimension of outpouring. God, give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear. (laughs) Give us ears to hear.
1: Give us faith to respond and be obedient to you right now, Holy Ghost. I allora robocotto yela la bossata I allora robocotto yanda robocotto y I allora robocotto yala la Soto y la rararabana
0: Those that would, I want you to gather around the front, please. I'm going to ask you not to kneel. I'm just going to ask you to come down to the front. Those that would, those that would.
1: Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I love you, Lord.
0: Church, we have to understand. I know this is different today. It's okay. We have to understand that those little petty things, there there is demonic activity behind them. Okay? You have to understand this. The Bible talks about that we that we are to, to have wisdom and we are to understand the work of the enemy and the work of the adversary. You have to understand what seems petty and the, the pettiness that divides. It's not just what was said. It's not just what was done. It was not just the word. It was not just the look. It was not just the action. There was demonic activity behind those things. That's exactly right. The enemy was manipulating things to work and things to be said and things to be misunderstood and miscommunicated and well I thought you said this this is why it's so important that if you have audience to brother you go to the brother because I've done this long enough to know that the majority of stuff that happens is miscommunication there, there's some knuckleheads that do stuff on purpose but for the most part a lot of stuff and brother Roshi passed enough you would know this to be true a lot of stuff is miscommunication well you said this that's not what I meant at all and this individual has had bitterness and anger and resentment against you for months and it has hindered them and it has hindered the church because of miscommunication jealousies. Some stuff isn't miscommunication. Some stuff's just straight up sin. And jealousies and bitterness. Anger. This person's in this position and I don't think they should be. And They got this authority and I don't know that they should have that authority. I am insecure about myself so somebody who's walking in a secure place intimidate me. And so In my insecurities, I lash out at people who seem confident. People that have a security about them and people that have an understanding and they're just secure in who they are in God. Insecure people struggle with those kind of people. And it's not about the person. It's about this individual's insecurities. So many times in their insecure ways they don't handle things properly and biblically and correctly because they're coming at it from a negative place, not a biblical place. Because if it was biblical they would look at the person who is secure in their calling and say, I esteem them higher. I'm so thankful that they are so secure in the calling of God in their life because they are being that much more of a blessing and a strength to our church. I don't have to be intimidated by their calling. The reason is because God didn't call me to what he called them to. So why would I feel jealous of a calling that I wasn't even called to? See, the problem is, the problem is, is when we don't do what's necessary prayer wise, fasting wise, consecration wise, when we don't do what's necessary to find out our own calling. I'm in the Holy Ghost now. When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in order to walk in clearness of voice in the voice of the Lord, in order for him to speak to us what we are called to do, then we get jealous of everybody else who was walking according to what God called them to do. It's not about them, it's about us. We're coming at it from a place of insecurity, not a place of biblical scripture. You see, because if we were confident in our walk with God to a place where we were secure in what he called us to do, then when we looked at all others who were secure in their place, we would honor them. We wouldn't feel intimidated or threatened. Why would you be threatened by somebody who's doing something you weren't called to do? The I learned that lesson late. I wish I would have learned it sooner. It's been—I've known it for a while, but I, I learned it late in my ministry. I wish I would have learned it sooner. And I'd see—I'd see individuals get up and preach and minister in forms and fashions and ways, and, and I would, I, I, there would be something in me that was—I I felt intimidated, I felt insecure. I felt like, man, I just don't have what they have. And, and if I wasn't careful, there would be some jealousy that would begin. They get these opportunities. And look at how they did this, that, or the other. And I begin to get a little jealous of, of these individuals. But then the Lord, many, many years ago, through the body of Christ teaching, he gave me revelation and understanding of the fact that, no, 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 no. no. I called you to be specifically You. You. And Sister Fable, it's made all the difference in the world. Now I go, now I go to these conferences and conventions and all this kind of stuff. And and let me just now—I've preached some stuff. But you want—you want to know what a lot of the stuff that that I preach? And I'm just talking from my heart now. Right? Is this okay? I got buddies, man. They're preaching this conference, there's 2,000 people there. And I got buddies, they're preaching this deal, and there's 1,000 people there. And they're preaching this deal and this deal and that. And you know what I say to all of them? Man, you preach it, go for it. I'm going I'm to back you up, I'm going to pray for you. Man, I make sure you call me right after, let me know how it went. I'm going to be praying. And you know where God sends me? Churches of about 70. And you know what? Here's the deal. It seems like, Brother Rima, it seems like, I don't know, it might change at some point, but I'm completely comfortable. If God says, hey, Anthony, you want to know where I want you? I want you at churches from about 75 to 100 because you've got some things that I've imparted in you that are being able to be instilled into those churches to take them from 75 to 150. Now here's, now, here's the deal. Now, here, now, I promise you, I'm just talking to you, all right? You know me. You know my heart. I'm not patting myself on the back. Okay, I'm just saying this. Here's the deal. If I would be insecure, I'd have these buddies that are saying, man, I'm preaching to thousands. And I'm like, well, why do I only get 75 people? Why don't you call me to something bigger? And I've done this, that, and the other, and all I get is this little... Church out in the middle of nowhere, 75 people. That's where I'm going to go. Why are you calling me to this stuff? Why don't I get the big thing? Why don't I be at the big conference? But the understanding is, is those guys who get those opportunities, that's what God called them to do. And if this is what God called me to do, then I'm doing just as big stuff as what they're doing. You three boys, come here, quickly. One, two, three. Uno, dos, Trace, Come here. All right. So I, this is totally different today. Are everybody good? Yeah. Stay right here, Bob. Right here. Now watch this. Because I, I don't know why I feel this, but I'm trying to help somebody. Because I feel like there's some, there's some people in the room that are jealous of callings. And it's coming from a place of insecurity. And it is hindering you. And because it's hindering you, it's hindering the church. Because those insecurities are causing you to not love somebody in the church, and to not love them means you hate all of us. Now, watch this. Okay, stand right there, bud. For the sake of this illustration, I'm God. Okay? My will for you, my will for you, take three steps one, two, three, stop. This is my will for you. You stay here in this place, you will give me pleasure, you will bring me joy. And you will accomplish everything that I want you to accomplish. Okay? Now, isn't this awesome? Man, wonderful. You're going to do big things right there. Wonderful things. Glorious things. Praise God. My will for you. Stay right there. My will for you. Take five steps. One, two, three, four, five. Take six. One more. Six. Stop right there. This is my will for you. This is where I want you to be. Right here, you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. Right here, you're going to you're going to you're going to do ministry in a form and a fashion like you never have been able to do before. Come here, Bub. Now, I didn't set it up to be this way. It just happened. Take ten steps. It just happened to be in the. You, okay. Stop right there. Right here, this is where God called you to be. You're going to do great things right here. Now, watch this. Watch this. How. Can I say foolish? Would it be for this guy to look at those and say, I want to be where they are. I'm jealous of him. Look at where he's two steps ahead of me. He's three steps. He's five steps ahead of me. Look at what he's doing. Look how much further down the road he is. I want to be like them. Now watch what happens in order for him to be like him, what does he have to do? He's got to be out of the will of God. And, And his jealousy takes him out of the will of God. And his insecurity takes him out of the will of God. And out of the will of God, he will never accomplish anything at all but if he'll stay planted right where he is, and if he'll say to these guys, you go you go. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to esteem you, but I'm going to stay planted right where God called me because this is where I can be the most successful for the body of Christ and at the end of the day it's not about how far I am. It's not about my name. It's not about what people think of me or say about me. At the end of the day it's all about what am I doing for the kingdom of God? Am I doing what God called me to do, and here's why, Brother Rima. Because when the day ends and we stand before the Lord, He's gonna say, Well done, thou good and faithful but I didn't do what he did. Doesn't matter. You were faithful with what I called you to do, but I wasn't a step ahead like so-and-so, and And I didn't have the ability that so-and-so had, and I didn't have the skill that so-and-so had. It didn't matter. You planted right where I sent you, and you were faithful with the call of God on your life. Lift your hands. Jealousy has to go. Insecurity has to go. If I don't love all, I hate all. Jealousy's got to go. You don't have to be insecure. Just be who God called you to be and love everybody, and esteem everybody, and lift up everybody, and honor everybody, and love everybody.